Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Hello, Disruptors. Welcome back to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We are so happy that you are sticking it out with us. Please remember to share the episodes you listen to and love on social media and with your dental friends. And please hit that subscribe button so you can get updated every time we put out a new episode. My name is Melissa. I am a dental hygienist from the United States. And my partner here is... My name is Tabitha and I'm a dental hygienist from Australia. So we are going to hop in and give you some statistics about tobacco in honor of World uh, Tobacco Day. Yeah, so um, looking at the WHO website, we can have a look at some global, global statistics on tobacco. We know tobacco kills half of its users. Tobacco kills more than 8 million people each year. More than 7 million of those deaths are a result of direct tobacco use. And this bit's a bit scary. 1.2 million are a result of non-smokers being exposed to secondhand smoke. And over 80% of the world's 1.3 billion tobacco users live in low to middle class income countries. Tabitha, the 1.2 million scares the life out of me because when I was in my early 20s, my husband was playing in a band and they were on the circuit and they were playing shows everywhere. And like, it was the band that almost made it big time. And we were in clubs every weekend and there was just so much smoke. That was when you were allowed to smoke in these clubs and these bars. And we would come home and the smell that would come off of us was just horrific. So, um, Although I have not smoked in my lifetime and neither has my husband, we are definitely like we could be in that 1.2. So that figure kind of freaks me out a little bit. I feel like um, the same. I grew up with two smoking parents, unfortunately. So I grew up in a household Dang. where they smoked in the house, smoked in the car because it was legal then. In Australia, it's actually illegal to smoke in the car with children in it now. But when oh, I was a kid, it wasn't. You know, and you smoked, the, people smoked at the shopping center when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> restaurants. And then yeah. a club when I started going. So my secondhand smoke was actually quite significant, probably right up until my mid-20s. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like we often tell the kids that, that you know, when you go to a restaurant, there used to be a smoking and a non-smoking section. And if like you were on the border of it and you were a non-smoker, you would still smell that. And and I love that your country has the, it's illegal to smoke in a car with kids because that that's always something that's heartbreaking, you know, especially in this day and age. Like we know better. When we know better, we should be doing better. Remember you um, could smoke on a plane when we were kids? You could what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> put a curtain between the smokers and the non-smokers. Yeah. Or like it would have the little, like the planes still have the little light on it where yes. it says like now you're allowed to smoke and they used to turn that on. It's just so crazy. It was yeah. just such a thing that everyone did. The baby hygienists are like, what? <laughs> what are you even talking about? Like, but, and I, I know we're going to get into it because you can't not address, you know, tobacco cessation and not address vaping, but like that's, that's where 
this is really yeah. transitioned. Yeah, we know that it's like not good to smoke traditional cigarettes and people still do it. But like the vaping thing is it, it freaks me out because like yeah. that's really been targeted and geared to like the younger population. And it's it's ugh. But um, some more facts from the WHO is that uh, the tobacco epidemic is one of the big, biggest public health threats the world has ever faced, uh, killing more than 8 million people a year and more than 7 million of those deaths are... Wait, didn't we just say that? Yeah, that's twice, sorry. <laughs> hey, can you edit that out, V? <laughs> I'm going to edit that piece, V. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you go red now. There you go. Okay. Uh, so all forms of tobacco are harmful and there is no safe level ex of exposure to tobacco. Cigarette smoking is the most common form of tobacco use worldwide. Other tobacco products include water pipe tobacco, various smokeless tobacco pro products, cigarettes, cigarillos, roll your own tobacco, pipe tobacco, bitis, and I've never even heard of this, critiquets. I might be saying that wrong. I didn't know half of them, so that's okay. We'll have to Google some of this stuff later. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't aware yeah. of that either. Smokeless tobacco use is highly addictive and damaging to health, and smokeless tobacco contains many cancer-causing toxins, and its use increases the risk of cancers of the head and neck, throat, esophagus, and oral cavity, including cancer of the mouth, tongue, lip, and gums, as well as various dental diseases. That is such an important piece for our profession because like, obviously we can, you know, have these conversations with patients uh, when they're, when they're using the dip tobacco and you can see a lot of that. Um, it, it starts out as like a very leukoplakic type of lesion initially that you'll see in the vestibular area. Um, but, you know, I don't think that the general public knows that, you know, it's that much more damaging. So here people, again, like the, the general pop think that they're doing something that they know is not good for them, but maybe they think it's not as bad as traditional yeah. smoking. So it's, it's a lot of this, um, you know, kind of like it's just manipulation of information I feel from these industries. Um, over 80% of the 1.3 billion tobacco users worldwide live in low middle income countries where the burden of tobacco-related illness and death is heaviest. Tobacco use contributes to poverty by diverting household spending from basic needs such as food and shelter to tobacco. And it's yeah, not cheap to problem. buy this stuff. Yeah. No. I don't know what it kind of costs in America, but in Australia, the average packet of cigarettes is about, because the government has put lots of taxes on it to try and stop people. So the average packet of cigarettes is about 40 to 50 Australian dollars. I'm going to look it up right now. And yeah. See how, much, um, see how much cigarettes cost state by state in 20, oh, 2021. It says Americans spend an average of $6.65 for a cigarette pack. Oh, wow. Not that's all, Not all residents uh, pay the same price to satisfy their smoking habits. New Yorkers, for example, pay double the price paid by those in Missouri. Meanwhile, smoking two packs per week will cost you 1088 per year in New York. Wow, that's actually really cheap compared to Australia. That will cost you like hundreds of dollars a week and maybe like thousands of dollars a month for some people. Yeah, yeah, depending put on how taxes on it. Yeah, well, here it says, too, that we have a federal cigarette tax, a state tax, um, and that not all cigarette brands cost the same. Most brands have a broad selection of products, and um, 
that the neighborhood and stores, the costs vary by community as well. So high, high income areas have more expensive cigarettes. So that's, that's interesting fact too. Yeah. So the economic costs of tobacco are substantial, include significant healthcare costs for treating the disease caused by tobacco use, as well as the loss, the lost human capital, the result from tobacco attributed mor- um, morbidity and mortality. And in some countries, children from poor households are employed in tobacco farming to boost family income. Tobacco growing farmers are also exposed to a number of health risks, including the green tobacco sickness. I really think that that you know that sustainable like we have to look at the way tobacco is farmed and we really shouldn't be you know I don't agree in smoking because of the the risks for health already but we definitely shouldn't be allowing cigarette companies that use small children to farm for their tobacco to be allowed to be sold (laughs) like like it's just like horrific isn't it it's horrific and then do they pay them in cigarettes too like you know it's just like like it's terrible It's awful. Absolutely awful. Um, Here's some U.S. facts from the CDC. Cigarette smoking remains the leading cause of preventable disease, disability, and death in the U.S., accounting for more than 4,800,000 deaths per year, or about one in five deaths. In 2019, nearly 14 of every 100 U.S. adults aged 18 or older, which accounts for 14%, currently smoke cigarettes. This means there's an estimated 34.1 million adults in the United States currently smoking. More than 16 million Americans live with smoking-related disease. So that, when you think about how many people, it's it's still pretty huge, even though we've had all these campaigns and awareness of what smoking does. The labeling on the package, there's the warning that this product will cause disease, cancer, and death. Um, but, But when you think about when we bring it back to our operatories, you know, more people are doing this than maybe we even think about. And I don't know that like, ask, yes, that question is on medical histories, but is that a question that's on your annual medical update? I think that that's one that we need to kind of be a little more top of mind with. I think you have to be a bit careful with it as well, because when you ask someone if they smoke, they think about cigarettes and lighting it up, but vaping don't classify themselves as smoking. Some, some of them, not all of them. So what we have to be a bit careful of is, is that when we ask someone, do you smoke, and they say no, we may not be getting the whole story. They may yeah. be vaping and their risk is still as high, but they don't associate that as smoking because it's an e-cigarette. So we really have to probably rephrase these questions, do you use tobacco products? Because right. the landscape is changing so much and so many different things, and we'll talk a bit about the smokeless and the e-cigarettes and the jewels and stuff as we get there. But those people could technically in their brains be thinking, I don't smoke, so no. Right, and right. It, and then it's a big section. And we can also consider too, like here in the US, a lot of um, different states are now um, making marijuana legal. Yeah. So that's another piece to this too. Like when, yeah. when you just say, do you smoke? People think traditional cigarettes. So I think you're right that rephasing that question on our medical histories and even when we're, you know, doing verbal medical updates with patients, it's an important thing because, you know, you know that the tissue on a smoker looks totally different than a a non-smoking patient. 
And we know our perio patients don't respond to the treatment in the same way and and we see dry mouths and other oral complications. So it is really important that we know this information. It does show, though, that current smoking has declined in the US from 20.9%, so nearly 21 of every 100 adults in 2005 to the 14% that we talked about in 2019. But again, I question that has some of those smokers swapped to e-cigarettes or some of the younger ones coming in and I wonder, like we couldn't tell, this is off the CDC website, if that was incorporating e-cigarettes and normal traditional smoking because I know that number's falling, traditional smoking, but with the e-cigarettes rising, it would yeah. be interesting to know the overall number. And current smokers are defined as people who reported smoking at least 100 cigarettes during their lifetime and who at the time they participated in the survey about the topic reported smoking every day or some days. And, again, that's talking about cigarettes or you could have some people that would say no, but they're using other forms. So I think that's quite right. interesting. Right. And it's it's really, um, you know, my it's kind of disgusting. My kids are teenagers and both of them have reported, you know, classmates on the bus using jewels yeah. or vaping on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and being able to hide it or doing it in the bathroom at school. So it's, it's really, you know, I, I think that the statistic is kind of skewed. Um, yeah. Not not purposefully, but just that there's a lot more, like you said, that could be involved in that because yeah. unfortunately vaping is really, uh, and e-cigarettes is really on the rise. Um, men, another statistic from CDC is that men are more likely to be um, current cigarette smokers than women. About 15 of every 100 adult men are smokers, which is 15%, and nearly 13 of every 100 adult women, which is 12.7% are smokers. It'd be interesting to know why more men smoke than women. Yeah, it really would be. Yeah. Yeah, like I wonder what that, why that trend is there with that. But current um, cigarette smoking was highest among people aged 25 to 44 and 45 to 64 years. Current cigarette smoking was lowest among people 18 to 24. And, again, I wonder if that's because of the e-cigarettes and the vaping um, really being higher in that 18 to 24-year-old age group because that's who they've really pushed it to and the advertising and the new because they've had the cigarette um, campaigns about how bad it is and then the e-cigarettes really have come in when they first came out as the healthy alternative, as the Mm -hmm. safe alternative. Before we knew about the complications, they really were seen as give up cigarette smoking and swap to vaping, start vaping or e-cigarettes because this is, the way not to be unhealthy with cigarettes. So it's, mm-hmm. and they really aimed it at that young um, young people. So eight of every 100 adults aged 18 to 24 smoke, nearly 17 of adults aged 18 to, tw- to 40, sorry, aged 25 to 44, and 17 of every adults aged 45 to 64, and about eight of every 100 adults aged 65 and older. Yeah. So I'm surprised about that statistic because it was really like part of like the boomer generation. It was Mm -hmm. just what they did. So I'm surprised that statistic is as low as it is. I'm going to say something really horrible, but it might be because it declined because they died. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. I'm like, but that really could be it. Like the over 65 who have been like, Smoking their whole life. Their whole life. Yeah. No, that's because of complications, because they got cancer, because they died, because they got sick. Like maybe that's why we see that number drop. It sounds awful. Yeah. Me laughing at your 
thing was awful too. So my apologies. I, I'm always the person that says the stuff that isn't appropriate. But yeah, but maybe that is why. But that's why we love you, Tabitha. <laughs> In Australia, tobacco smoking is the leading cause of preventable disease and death. In 2019, the NDSHS reported current smokers aged 18 and over smoked an average of 12.9 cigarettes per day, which was a decrease from 15.9 cigarettes per day in 2001. Men and women smoked a similar number of cigarettes per day in 2019, the average of 13.1 and 12.9 cigarettes per day, respectively. So in 2019, the proportion of a pack a day, so 20 cigarettes or more smokers, increased with age. Two in five people, approximately 40% in age groups, 40 and over, smoked more than 20 cigarettes per day, compared to one in five, approximately 20% for people aged 18 to 39. That's a lot, more That's, than 20 a day. It really is. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, some of the trends in Australia um, that Again, in 2019, the NDSHS found that people in their 40s and 50s had the highest daily smoking proportions, 15.8% and 15.9% respectively, different from the situation in 2001 when people in their 20s and 30s were most likely to smoke daily. So I suppose, do you think that's just because those people are getting older and that group stayed the same? Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like that group yeah. in 2001 when they were young, now they're the 40s and. Yeah, and, yeah. and they've just they kind of stayed the same. Yeah. yeah. Between 2016 and 2019, the proportion of people who smoke daily fell for people in their 20s and 30s, but there was no change for people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Over the period of 2001 to 2019, the people aged 18 to 39, the proportion of smoking daily has halved, but there's been little improvement among people in their 50s and 60s. And that goes with what you were saying. I think that education for the younger population has been much more uh, prevalent and strong. And I know here in the US, we start that as like in their health education in school. So um, it, it does make sense because socially, you know, for, for people in their 50s and 60s, they grew up smoking. Like everybody just sat around the kitchen table smoking cigarettes. That's just what yeah. they used to do. And God bless my grandmother. We used to drive the car and I would go, <laughs> you're joking me. <laughs> I flushed her cigarettes down the toilet. She wanted to kill me. Like I used to. <laughs> I used to do the same. <laughs> Coming from a family of smokers, we used to have this, um, Ad in Australia as a kid about um, fires in your house and how you should get down low and go, go, go. So if there's a fire in your house, you get down and do the body crawl, you touch the door handle before you leave. And so it was this big public health awareness that how you escape a a fire in your house. And we used to always tease my parents that it was like you had to do that ad in our house, like get down low and go, go, go from like the cigarette smoke, you know, when they had friends Mm -hmm. over or people like that. And I think it actually made me never want to be a smoker because we were always just like, this is gross. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's got such a distinct smell. Yeah. You can even like, you know, when a patient walks in your operatory, you can tell, you just smell it on them. And, and it's, it's funny too, when you use an aerosol driven device, when it hits the tooth structure, it just emits an odor. Yeah. It's Um, interesting when you have a patient who, because I always ask patients, how much do they smoke? And, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm just a casual smoker. And you're thinking, dude, I can hardly breathe in here from the secondhand smoke off your body. (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) right. (laughs) 
know how definitely to sleep more than five a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And that's the thing too. Like, I think that on our, on our medical intake or having conversations with people, like if they're like, you know, if they're like a weekend, um, you know, hanging out with my friends, having a beer and a cigarette kind of smoker, I don't think they're going to be likely to put on a form that they, yeah, because they consider it so infrequent that they don't fall. They don't consider themselves in that category. I agree. I think they don't think of themselves as smokers because right. they don't put, personally buy the cigarettes right right like especially when they're like that when they're just having a cigarette out with someone else but they never buy a packet they just smoke somebody else's so yeah. therefore because they don't buy cigarettes they don't see themselves as smokers right what is it a casual smoker yeah social smoker social smoker yeah um the proportion of adults aged 18 and over who never smoked increased from 48 percent in 2001 to 60 percent in 2016 and remained stable at 61 percent in 2019 similarly findings from the nhs show the proportion of adults who have never smoked is increasing over time from 52.6 percent in 2014-2015 to 55.6 percent in 2017-18 or from 52.9% in 2014 to 15 to 56.1% in 2017, 18 after adjusting for age. So that's interesting. And I wonder if that impact is really coming from vaping. Yeah. In 2019, adolescents aged 14 to 17 in Australia and young adults aged 18 to 24 were more likely to have never smoked than any other age group, 97 and 80% respectively. This proportion remained fairly stable since 2016 and represents an increase in proportion of adolescents and young adults who never smoked since 2001. Of the young adults aged 18 to 24, nearly 8 in 10, so 77% men, reported they never smoked in 2019, and this has remained stable since 2013, but has increased since 2001. More than 8 in 10 women aged 18 to 24 reported in 2019 they have never smoked, and an increase from 59% in 2001 and similar to 2016, which is really great. But we're going to start talking about e-cigarettes now. So, again, I'm interested to know in those large percentage of adolescents who said they've never smoked, I wonder if the ones that are using e-cigarettes still say they've never, are still in that classification of saying they've never smoked. Right, right. Um, so e-cigarettes are electronic devices that heat a liquid and produce an aerosol or a mix of small particles in the air. E-cigarettes come in many shapes and sizes. Most have a battery, a heating element, and a place to hold a liquid. Some e-cigarettes look like regular cigarettes, cigars or pipes. Some look like USB flash drives, and they're the ones that you were talking about, Melissa, where they're like doing it on the bus and yeah. not detected. They can look like pens and other everyday items, and larger devices such as a tank system or mods do not look like other tobacco products. E-cigarettes are known by many different names. They are sometimes called e-cigs, e-hookers, mods, vape pens, vapes, tank systems and electric nicotine delivery devices using an e-cigarette is sometimes called vaping which is probably the most common word that i know yeah 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 same here uh how do e-cigarettes work well they produce an aerosol by heating a liquid that usually contains nicotine flavorings and other chemicals that help to make the aerosol the liquid used in e-cigarettes often contains nicotine and flavorings this liquid is sometimes called e-juice e-liquid vape juice or vape liquid 
Users inhale e-cigarettes aerosols into their lungs and bystanders can also breathe in the aerosols when the user exhales it into the air. E-cigarette devices can be used to deliver marijuana or other drugs as well. And I found that really interesting as well because I think when vaping or e-cigarettes first came along, they really promoted it as one healthy for the user, but also that the bystanders weren't going to be affected. So in Australia, um, smoking is very regulated. You're not allowed to smoke within so many metres of a government building. You're not allowed to smoke within so many metres where food is served. And um, you're not allowed to smoke in closed-in places, obviously, as well. But when vaping first started, you could vape, like, at outdoor restaurants. You could vape at all these places because the law hadn't caught up. But also yeah. no one thought that you were affecting other people with vaping. Right, right. Yeah, because we just didn't know enough at the time. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about jewels. Uh, what exactly is a jewel? News outlets and social media sites report widespread use of jewel by students in schools, including classrooms and bathrooms. Yeah, I've actually been listening to a really good um, podcast, actually. just It's called The Vaping Fix. It's a six-part series on Wondery. And it's really interesting. It's all about how vaping was um, really promoted and advertised to children and the advertising tactics behind it. So that bit's interesting. But they do a lot of interviews with kids who thought that who didn't realize they were starting a tobacco product. They actually thought they were doing safe smoking, but got so addicted so quickly. They said they were in the classroom vaping and blowing it into their school bag because they were so addicted they couldn't make it between classes. Wow, that's crazy. And that's other- scary. It's very scary. And the other thing that I had noticed when this first uh, like kind of hit the scene was a lot of people were doing these like crazy smoke rings and and, like they could make these things. And that was another thing that brought kids into it because like here's people on social media blowing all these crazy smoke rings and doing these tricks and people and kids were like, oh, this is cool. I want to try this. And 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 they thought it was safe. Right, right. I think it's really disgusting how they marketed like two children. Oh, when you, if you listen to this podcast, anyone, like it is actually horrific listening to the marketing tactics behind it and how they actually really went after kids. That's so gross. We'll have yeah. to put the link in the show notes to this because yeah. I want to listen to this podcast myself too. Yeah, really, really good. So Juul is a brand of e-cigarette that's shaped like a USB flash drive. Like other e-cigarettes, Juul is a battery-powered device that heats a nicotine-containing liquid to produce an aerosol that's inhaled. All Juul e-cigarettes have a high level of nicotine, and according to the manufacturer, a single Juul pod contains as much nicotine as a pack of 20 regular cigarettes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's bananas. Wow. Wow. Juul is one of the few e-cigarettes that use nicotine salts, which allow particularly high levels of nicotine to be inhaled more easily and with less irritation than the free-based nicotine that has traditionally been used in tobacco products, including e-cigarettes. Well, there's the mode. That's how they do it. Yeah. And news outlets and social media sites report widespread use of Juul by students in schools, including classrooms and bathrooms, like we said before. And approximately two-thirds of Juul users were aged 15 to 24, and they didn't know that they were having to start nicotine when they started. And this is why I think it's like when you're seeing these statistics are saying, oh, it's really low for these kids. But then they're saying the biggest users of Juuls are the exact same age group. I wonder if 
we think they're not smoking because they're using these electronic cigarettes instead. Right, right. And and I mean, also too, I could tell you um, middle school, like sixth grade was when both <gasps> of my kids started saying that this was what was going on in the bathrooms. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. And, and in our school district, um, the third grade to the sixth grade drive on the same bus together. So we've got little third graders in the front and kids in the back that are, I'm sorry, eighth grade just to third grade. Yeah drive together so the eighth graders and the, the sixth and the seventh graders are in the back dueling and these little 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 elementary school kids are in the front of the bus like yeah. it's just crazy um it's it's just it's very sad uh although jewel is currently the top selling e-cigarette brand in the united states other companies sell e-cigarettes that look like usb flash drives examples include mark 10 elite and nicotine delivery vice and the pax era a marijuana delivery device that both look like jewels. So why should we be so concerned about uh, nicotine and e-cigarettes in kids? Well, most e-cigarettes contain nicotine and it's an addictive drug, um, just like regular cigarettes, cigars and other tobacco products. So the risk is is there just as high. We we really want to be kind of changing our campaigns to our kids now. Absolutely. A recent study found that 99% of the e-cigarettes sold in assessed venues in the United States contain nicotine. And some e-cigarette labels do not disclose that they contain nicotine. And some e-cigarettes marketed as containing 0% nicotine have been found to actually have nicotine. And that's really worrying, isn't it? If someone thinks they're picking up a zero nicotine and it's still got it in there, like it's, it's not only is it terrible, but it's scary. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. I think that comes down to like the, I know in some other industries with our, our FDA, um, like let's, let's take the protein, um, protein powder, for example, like they can put all these chemicals in, but if they're at what they call trace elements, like yeah. it's such a minute amount, but the cumulative exposure of that for you consuming that product over a lifetime can have a really negative effect. So I think it's kind of, that's the loophole that these yeah. guys find is that, you know, it's, a, it's at a level that it's like quote unquote trace, but it's still there. Yeah. And nicotine can harm the developing um, adolescent brain. The brain keeps actually developing until age 25 and using nicotine in adolescence can harm the parts of the brain that control attention, learning, mood, and impulse control. Each time a new memory is created or a new skill is learned, stronger connections are built between the brain and the cells. Young people's brains build synapses faster than adult brains and nicotine changes the way these are formed. Using nicotine in adolescence may also increase the risk for future addiction to other drugs. And that's a bit scary, isn't it? That is very scary. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like here, here these kids are doing this at their prime time of brain development, you know, and, and this is, this is really, yeah. this could also be, if you really, like if science really digs into this, this could also be why we have so, like the rise of attention deficit disorders yeah. and such maybe this is like one of the environmental pieces of that puzzle yeah um why are other what i'm sorry what are other risks for e-cigarettes kids for kids teens and young adults scientists are still learning about the long-term health effects of e-cigarettes some of the ingredients in e-cigarette aerosols could be harmful to the lungs in the long term. For example, e-cigarette flavorings may be safe to eat but not to be inhaled because the gut can process more substances than the lungs. Yeah, I know. I was 
reading something about this, about how those flavourings they think are actually toxic to be inhaled as well. Yeah. I mean, think about all that we know about aerosols. Yeah. And and the risk factors for us when we are masked and all of that. And and, I mean, aerosol management has been so top of mind because of the pandemic. But, you know, these people are electively inhaling this into their lungs. So there's another worry as well because defective e-cigarette batteries have caused some fires and explosions and a few which have resulted in serious injuries. Um, I'll have to actually Google it and we'll put it into our um, Instagram page. But there was actually a, it was a teenager in the US where the battery blew up while he was inhaling the e-cigarette and like he got third degree burns to his whole face. And it was, have you seen it? It's quite horrific, isn't it? It was just... I've seen others. I haven't seen that teenage one, but I've seen um, a, a couple of years ago where an adult male, it, it blew up while he was yeah. inhaling and like half of his face was just gone. Oh, it was just awful. And children and adults have been poisoned by swallowing, breathing, or absorbing e-cigarette liquid through the skin or eyes. And nationally, approximately 50% of calls to poison control centers for e-cigarettes are kids five years or younger. Oh, my gosh. If you could see my face right now, my jaw. Yeah, It's scary, isn't it? It is very scary. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So what exactly is an e-cigarette aerosol? Uh, e-cigarette aerosols is not e-cigarette aerosol is not harmless water vapor quote unquote <laughs> the e-cigarette aerosol that users breathe from the device and exhale can contain harmful and potentially harmful substances which could include nicotine ultrafine particles that can be inhaled deep into the lungs flavorings such as diacetyl a chemical linked to serious lung disease volatile organic compounds cancer causing chemicals heavy metals such as nickel tin and lead oh my gosh i did i'm we're learning a lot in this episode as well but like do you know it's not well publicized i'm sure when you buy your e-cigarette you don't realize that you could be inhaling lead no wow wow yeah the aerosols that users inhale and exhale from e-cigarettes can expose both themselves and the bystanders to these harmful substances. It's difficult for consumers to know what e-cigarette products contain. For example, some e-cigarettes are marketed as containing 0% nicotines, but they've still got nicotines like we talked about. And a big problem that we have in Australia as well is that nicotine vaping is actually illegal to sell. It's illegal in Australia to to, um, sell this because they realise that it's so harmful, so they banned it but they just buy it on eBay from another country. Mm. And then there's no regulation about what's going on then. And they can be getting these from third world countries with zero regulation on manufacturing. And then you absolutely have no idea what you're actually purchasing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what we have here in the States? We have bank shops. Everywhere. Oh, we have them as well. Yeah. I went to London in 2019. Um to see John Mayer, if, if if you know me in my personal life, um, you know that I'm actually a John Mayer tragic. Shout out to Mayer if you're ever listening. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need to tag him when we post this episode. <laughs> I'm, like, mildly obsessed, okay? Like, it's, like, a little bit scary obsessed. I'm mildly obsessed. But I was at John Mayer's concert in London at the, 
I think it's called the Q2, which is this massive stadium right in the in the middle of London. And it fits like 30,000 people in there or something. But I it was half time and I came out to get um, a soft drink. I was actually at the concert by myself because I'm such a tragic fan. I travelled there by myself to see him. And they had a vape stand at the concert. Wow. Soft drink, vaping. That's crazy. And they were doing, it gets worse, they were doing like sampling for free. And I was like, oh, my God, because I had never seen that before. And, like, people were vaping inside the concert. And I was like, and now that I know there was, like, like nickel and lead, I was like, I'm even angrier. But it really shocked me to see that. Like, I remember it really stood out because I was like, there's a vaping stand? And they're promoting this at the concert? Did John Mayer know that this was happening? I'm sure he didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. What's your favorite song? Uh, Oh, um, In My Atmosphere, number one, Gravity, number two, and Vultures, number three. (laughs) I love Gravity. That is an amazing song. Neon would be in top five as well. But, you know, I digress. (laughs) Totally tagging John Mayer when we post this. And hopefully he'll listen and maybe he'll learn something. If anyone wants us to do a full John Mayer episode, I have all the research. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So <laughs> like we totally, we, we have, there's always a moment in our episodes where something totally digresses us off yeah. topic. I, I hope our, list, our disruptor listeners love that about us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but getting back to on track, flavors and marketing for e-cigarettes, which are appealing to the youth. E-cigarettes come in various flavors, including fruit, candy, mint, and menthol. A study from 2013 to 2014 showed that most youth who use e-cigarettes first start with a flavor variety, and flavors are the primary reason the young report using e-cigarettes. In 2020, most youth who reported using e-cigarettes used flavored varieties, which was 89, I'm sorry, 82.9% among high school students who currently used any type of flavored e-cigarettes in 2020. The most commonly used flavors are fruit, which was 73%, mint 55%, and menthol 37%, and candy desserts or other sweets was 36%. So that's where it like this whole thing gets so gross to me yeah. because it's just totally marketed to our youth. In the vaping fix, going back to that um, really good uh, podcast that I've been listening to, they the kids that they interviewed said it was the flavours that got them there. It was like these fruity, like how can something so sweet be bad yeah. for you? Right. Yeah. So e-cigarettes have also advertised using the same themes and tactics that have been shown to increase youth initiation of other tobacco products, including cigarettes. In 2016, about 7 in 10 middle school and high school students, so 69.3%, more than 18 million youth said they had been had seen e-cigarette advertising. Widespread advertising for e-cigarettes, including via media for which advertising for conventional tobacco products is prohibited, example TV, and the lower cost of some e-cigarettes relative to regular cigarettes has contributed to among youth. Many youth also report using e-cigarettes because they are curious about the products. And this is really interesting from the podcast as well. Um, The company that invented Juul, they were paying influencers on Instagram promote their products which was illegal for for cigarettes 
but because they're an e-cigarette and the and the laws hadn't caught up, they were able to pay these influencers and they were providing them and getting them hooked and getting them to take, you know, really cool photos of them vaping places. So it's that um, subliminal like advertising and messaging to the kids that I think is really, you know, all those influencers and they're so influenced, cliche, by yeah. that social yeah. media and those famous people in those photos that you know it was what happened to our parents as kids with cigarettes yes yes you know it's funny I just thought of this now my daughter made a tiktok video and she's like oh my gosh mom I kind of went went, went like kind of tiktok viral yeah. she made a video about vaping um and well maybe she'll let me link it into the show notes yeah. so people can look at it but she she was like superimposed in front of her high school and it said something like everybody now is vaping. And then it said fast forward to our 20 year reunion and it had like the thing on the throat and, and you know, that like robotic voice. Yeah. And she's like, we're all dogging like this now. And um, it was it was really funny. And she got like, well, it's not funny, but she was like, you know, yeah. putting proving a point that this is what's going on. It is. And it was, it just blew up. I forget how many views she got, but it was like ridiculous. We'll have to share it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was like, can you be my social media manager and do that for me? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Yeah. So um, it it is worrying. It absolutely is. Um, So can using e-cigarettes lead to future cigarette smoking among kids, teens, and young adults? Many young people who use e-cigarettes also smoke cigarettes, and there is some evidence that young people who use e-cigarettes may more likely be smoking cigarettes in the future. Specifically, a 2018 National Academy of uh, Medicine report found that there were some evidence that e-cigarettes will increase the frequency and amount of cigarette smoking in the future, which is pretty Mm -hmm. interesting. It is. So e-cigarettes can also be used to deliver other drugs, including marijuana. In 2016, approximately one-third of U.S. middle and high school students who have never used an e-cigarette reported using marijuana in the device. But e-cigarettes use among young people is still unsafe, even if they do not progress to future cigarette smoking. And like, here's the the question, aren't e-cigarettes safer than cigarettes? E-cigarettes expose users to fewer harmful chemicals than a traditional burned cigarette, but burned cigarettes are very dangerous, killing half of all people who smoke them long-term. The use of any tobacco product, including e-cigarettes, is unsafe. And I think that's the messaging that's been skewed. Yeah. And so when we look at heated tobacco products like IQOS and Eclipse, sometimes marketed as the heat not burn technology, represent a diverse class of products that heat the tobacco leaf to produce an inhaled aerosol. They're different from e-cigarettes, which heat a liquid that contain nicotine derived from tobacco. The uh, HTPs are available in at least 40 countries and several have been authorized for sale in the U.S. states, in the United States, I'm sorry, by the FDA. In 2018, Few U.S. adults, uh, 2.4% of all surveyed, including 6.7% of people who currently smoke surveyed, had never used an HTB before. Uh, in 2020, 1.4% of the U.S. middle and high school students combined reported had, had been used heated tobacco products in the past 30 days. And again, it's that younger generation that this is hitting. It's a new wave coming again. So scientists are still learning um, about the short-term and long-term health effects of the heated tobacco products, but the available science shows they contain harmful and potential harmful ingredients and the youth use of tobacco products, including heated products, is still just unsafe. 
Yes, yes. And there's been some um, reports of they cause popcorn lung, which yes. was, you know, that, that industry of popcorn producers, there was a chemical byproduct that was causing this issue with their lungs. And apparently e-cigarettes produces that same reaction. So we still, science still has a lot to learn. Um, but I think that, you know, what we can do again as dental hygienists, we don't need to know all of these statistics and facts and figures and bring all this information to our patients. What we need to know is um, I think we need to just start changing our messaging a little bit, like Tabitha, Tabitha had mentioned earlier, um, incorporating vaping and e-cigarettes into our questioning, you know, and and just sharing a little bit of the knowledge that it is just as dangerous, if not worse, so that we can be doing our part in educating. And that's what makes our profession so badass because we get to help people improve their overall health. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, keeping a, um, your head in the game with like, what are the new trends? What's yeah, going on? Sure. And, you know, listening to today's episode and, and finding out more information. And we'll put some links to some things that you can do some more research on and to the podcast that I was talking about called The Vaping Fix, which is quite interesting if you want to listen more. And some and we might post a photo of John Mayer as well. And <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I think it is important that we all keep, like, you know, involved in what are the recent trends, finding out more information because especially if you have younger patients in your practice, you know, what are they doing? And and fr- thinking about the way we phrase our questions so that we don't just ask about sm- traditional smoking and we're asking about other forms because otherwise we could be missing a big piece of the picture for certain patients and not even knowing what is going on. And, and then also we've got the ability, like you said, Melissa, to have that conversation like, did you actually know that e-cigarettes aren't safe? Because they may not know. They may not know. And, and, you know, and we could be a safer place for them to talk about it. They're not going to go to their parents and say, hey, I'm jeweling. What's going to yeah. happen to me? So we, we have the opportunity to educate this younger population so that they can think about what they're doing and make them aware of the long term effects that we again, we don't even know all of it yet because it's still a newer uh, issue in our societies. But just that education piece is so important. And the fact that, you know, we already know that tobacco leads to all these different cancer risks. So we can make that connection for them and they can help understand that, you know, long-term you're increasing your risk for cancer. Yeah. I tell my perio patients who are smoking that when they keep smoking, when we're taking, when we're doing periodontal therapy, it's like we take one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm taking the step forward with what I can do, but then they're just taking us back with the cigarette smoking. And we're not really going to get to where we want to get when we're still smoking. We're not going to get the results that we want. We're not going to get the outcome that we want because it's just so difficult. And so it is important to tell those patients who are already having oral health complications, we we likely can't get the results for you. Right. Yeah, they have to understand that. It, the patients have to own their disease and they have to own yeah. their part in their behavior modification. If they don't, that's what leaves us frustrated. That's where we yeah. get that moral fatigue and that sense of burnout because we're we're working so hard. But if we don't have the patients on board and they're not understanding ahead of time that if you don't do A, B, and C, this is not going to work. It's going to yeah. maybe work like 50% of what it would if you were doing A, B, C, and D. We so, um. I had a win the other day, actually. I had a patient that came in for his three-month review and he's, he very excitedly told me, he said, Tabitha, I quit smoking since you spoke to me about it. 
last time. And I was like, I've never been so happy. (laughs) Those are the best. But he said that people just weren't talking about it with him. And I think sometimes it's really easy for us to think, oh, I'm over it or I don't want to nag that patient. You know, when I first started I, as a baby hygienist, I actually feel, used to feel quite nervous about talking about quitting smoking because I was worried I'd put the patient offside or, you know, it was yeah. going to be an awkward conversation. But when I spoke yeah. to him about it, I was just really honest and open, you know. And I said to him, I know you probably know this stuff. This is not a lecture, but I have to tell you because it's part of my job. And I have to do this. So I was like, I just want you to know this and this and this because I do have a responsibility as a healthcare provider to provide this. And if I don't, well, why didn't you? Do you know what I mean? Like, we, I we need to do like a game where we say like twinning because you and I do things like on the opposite sides of the world identically. It's we can play a game one day where we both write the answers and hold them up at the same time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because like I say, I say almost to the letter, the same thing. I would be remiss if I didn't tell yeah. you the things it's my job to educate you. You, it, it has to fit into your life. You need to figure out how you can do this for yourself. I can't come home with you and do it for you, but I can educate you and help you in that journey where you can make a decision or a modification that's going to benefit you. And those things, like I, I love the book, um, the habit loop. Now I think I'm misquoting the name of the book, but um, I'll, I'll do some research and we'll add that in the show notes too. But it talks about how when someone makes a, a habitual change to like a behavior modification, it will then have like a chain reaction where they start making other positive changes in their life. So if you have that one little conversation about smoking cessation, have a, whether it be cigarette or vaping or marijuana, who knows? it can really impact them long-term. So, you know, don't ever underestimate the power of like a conversation with a patient and please don't be afraid to say something and you can front load it with that. Like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't share this information. hundred percent. And well, he actually came back and said, you know what? No one's actually been talking to him about it. Yeah. It's because I said, you know, look, we're not going to get the results. And he said, he just went home that night and thought, why am, and I actually said to him, you're spending a lot of money seeing me in specialist practice. But you're not working at home. And so he said he went home and just thought about how much money he was spending but not doing it. And so, yeah, it worked well. But we better wrap it up and let you guys go and do your research and we'll share some links for the book. Melissa will look up the name of that book. Um, I'll put some links for the Vaping Fix as well, which is a great, the great podcast. And Thank you for joining us once again. As And if you're in Australia, you can actually count this as one CPD point tonight as well. And we're going to try working on that over here in the U.S. so you guys can get yours as well. But keep on disrupting, share, subscribe, and send us reviews because we love them. We'll Have see you next awesome time. Night. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.